0: You know, have you ever noticed as you're going about your day, there's certain key words that grab your attention or certain things that seem to grab your attention? For example, if for some of you, if you mention the word shopping, um, that could elicit a lot of different responses. It could be, okay, I'm ready, let's let's go. Or it could be, cut off my legs, I don't want to go. Or if the word hockey is mentioned, or Oilers, or something like that, it could elicit a great amount of excitement and engage people in a lot of ways. Or it might be like, okay, it's time to time to go to sleep. Have you ever noticed how those kinds of certain kinds of things do that? Or things like Star Wars. If somebody mentions Star Wars, or uh, Avenger movies, or rom- romantic comedies, or chocolate, or chips, or you know, the list goes on and on and on. If it's brought up the right way, the certain words will grab our attention and cue us in. Sometimes it's even a smell. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But I remember as a kid walking up our, our driveway to our house, and, and if I could smell homemade bread, man, that was like, oh, Amazing. I was guaranteed to know that I got a nice slice of warm bread or a a soft dinner roll when I got in the house that day. Even as I think about it now, it elicits a certain response in my mouth and in my memories. Or maybe it's something else that triggers your attention. There's a song that, it's an old song for most of you who probably don't know it. It's a Stevie Wonder song called, I Just Called to Say I Love You. Whenever I hear that song, that elicits a response because I used to work a lot of shift works. And so on my breaks, I would call Vange from the office area and I would call her and I would attempt, again, attempt to sing that song to her to let her know that I was thinking of her. I Just Called to Say I Love You. There's other songs that elicit other kinds of responses. Um, I think of a song, and and it's an old campfire song. Um, It's often sang at camps and so on. And the the song is called, I Just Called to Say... Or no, sorry. The song is called, It Only Takes a Spark. And it's an old song, the campfire song. And that song reminds me of um, us as a group of young... When I was a young adult... About 25 of us jam-packed into a living room with one or two guitars on a Sunday night. And we called it, it, was a, we called it Fireside, and it was a time where we got to uh, gather together and worship. There's another song that elicits a different response. What a Friend We Have in Jesus. An old hymn, that one reminds me of, of leading seniors' uh, Bible studies in two different places, in Athabasca and in Hannah. Or a song, uh, a more contemporary song called, I Stand in Awe of You, takes me back to when I was speaking at a senior high camp um, and in, in, in B.C., Camp Kakwa many years ago. Another one elicits a different response, and that is, Blessed Be Your Name. Where that song, that phrase, it says where it talks about the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That was a tough song 20 years ago when Vange went through an accident and I almost lost her. Because I had to surrender her to, to God. Or the song Waymaker. Just two years ago, when we were struggling to find where God wanted us in ministry. God used that that. That song in in my life in a significant way. So I mean, there's all kinds of songs create all kinds, elicit all kinds of responses, different responses. Sometimes they're worship responses. Sometimes um, elicit all kinds of emotions in our lives. There's another sound that elicits a different kind of response, and that's the cooing of doves. And uh, I don't want to get into that, but there's 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 it, it it takes me to two different places in my mind when I when I hear a dove cooing. We actually had them in our yard in Hannah. Or in Linden, sorry. We had a few of those doves in our yard in Linden. And they just they elicit a certain response in my life. So whether it's songs or smells or places that trigger significant responses, God uses those to speak to us. And God has His way of connecting to us. Just as those, some of those things connect us to other people. Those moments are engraved in our mind, and we know in some of those cases, God was there in that place. In the story of Jesus, the story of His birth, there are individuals that met God in a specific way, uniquely, and they were touched, and they were never the same afterwards again. Today we're going to look at two more of those groupings of people. One is the shepherds, and the other is the magi, or the wise men. Let's talk about the shepherds a little bit. If we go to, uh, you can't talk about Christmas without talking about the shepherds, right? So let's go to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, and we're going to walk through the story of the shepherds and see how God spoke to the shepherds, how God initiated the conversation with them, how God, and and what was their response. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. In other words, nearby Bethlehem. They were just doing their their normal thing. They had rounded the sheep up at night, and they had placed them in these pens, and they were probably sitting around maybe a campfire or just sitting out in the dark looking at the stars, maybe just conversing together, sharing a few stories, sharing a few laughs or whatever, and they were just doing their normal night shift thing. Luke chapter, verse 9 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. This wasn't a normal night. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. They were just doing their silent night thing, right? being quiet, being, allowing, doing their nightly duty, and there all of a sudden, bam, an angel appears. And there was light, bright light. And it shone, maybe almost like a fire. We don't know what it, how would it, what it looked like, or maybe the angel was glowing, or, but it doesn't seem like that. It just says there, there was light shining all around, and they, these guys were terrified. Have you ever noticed that sometimes light can terrify us? especially when we're not expecting it. Sometimes it can even terrify us in a different kind of way internally. When light shows up in our soul and and dark things recesses things of our soul, things that we thought have been hidden, things we've kept buried for a long time all of a sudden are exposed. And an angel says to them, don't get yourself all worried, don't be anxious, don't be terrified. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Kind of sounds like another song, doesn't it? And he says, I'm going to tell you something. I got some good news I'm going to tell you. And it's not just for you, it's for all people. It's for all people. Emphasis on all. Verse 11 Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, just think about this. He says, in a town, specifically the town of David. He doesn't name the town, but like you and I know, everybody knew what the, who the, what the town of David, which town that was. It's like saying, well, the home of the Oilers, or the home of the Flames, or the home of the, 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 the Raptors. You, you know exactly which town we're talking about. And so the angel just referred to it as the town of David. And it's significant because, of course, of, of Jesus' lineage, and he says, down there in this town, the town of David, a Savior is born, a Messiah, Christ. God has shown up. God has come. The Lord is here. Now, I don't think the shepherds fully grasped all that was going on. I don't think they fully understood the significance of, who, of, of who this, what this baby was or who this baby was and the, and the impact he would have. Verse 12 says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Claws and lying in a manger. I mean, God gave clarity through the angels specifically to which baby they were to go and find. I mean, most babies were wrapped up in claws. I mean, that's what you do. You wrap them up and you put them in claws. But there was a difference on this one. The baby was going to be found lying in a manger. Now that is unusual. So you can imagine there were probably lots of babies born in Bethlehem. Who knows how, many, how big the town was. But to find a baby laying in a manger, that was significant. Because that's not, that's not where you put a baby. And so when they went looking, they knew where to look. They were shepherds. They knew all about mangers. They had used mangers. They probably had mangers out in the field maybe even for, for maybe some of the feeding or maybe they didn't. We don't know. But they knew what a manger was and they knew where to look for a manger. They were comfortable in a manger, around a manger because that meant a stable. And they, they'd been in and out of stables all the time. But they probably didn't compute, it probably didn't register that this was a king that was laying in a manger. Verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This one angel was then joined by a heavenly host. Now, I don't know what a heavenly host looks like, but I'm thinking it going from one angel to a 1,000, or 2,000, or 10,000. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Already the, the, the night is aglow with light, and there's one angel standing there before you, um, probably not wearing wings, because that's human creation of what angels look like. But automatically, there, that single angel was joined with thousands of other, with a multiple... A, mult, a heavenly host, thousands upon thousands of angels. I mean, you can imagine these, these poor guys, their minds were probably just blowing out of the water. There was, this was something that they will never, ever forget. Now what was the response of these, these shepherds? there's kind of three parts to it. Let's look at it, verse 15 when the angels le- had left and had gone into heaven and the heartbeats of the shepherds slowed down enough the shepherds said to one another okay hey we got to go find this baby let's go to bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord has told us about see they connected that the angels with god this wasn't some other some other being this was god speaking to them through these angels And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Exactly what the the angels had told them. They went and found this infamous baby. Verse 17, and when they had seen him, so the first thing that was they obeyed what the angels told them to do is go find the baby. They did that. Verse 17 says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. They told others. They were so excited about discovering who Jesus, this baby, they didn't even know the impact he was going to have. But the fact that that one angel had told them, accompanied by thousands of others, hey, that's worth sharing. If you have a revelatory experience of that kind of magnitude, not just you, but several people, who knows how many shepherds there were, we don't have any, any indication there was obviously more than one they all had the same experience that was something to get excited about this wasn't just an imagination this wasn't a dream it wasn't a vision this was reality where multiple people experienced the same thing they were excited they were excited and 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 it says everyone was shocked at their story they were amazed And lastly, in verse 20, it says this, the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So this kind of settled on them. And they just didn't go back and going, okay, you know, that was cool, and and go back to to the sheep. They went back, and this stuff settled on their life. It changed them. They continued to worship God. They They continued... So basically they, they, they were blown away with what happened. And they responded to God and this settled on them and it, la- and it lasted for them. They, 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 it, it, it was something that was enduring. So much so that Luke recorded it years later. It, the story spread. It wasn't just they, a few guys had heard about it and it just kind of disappeared into history. No, it settled on them so much so that a f- number of years later when Luke went to record the birth of Jesus the shepherds and maybe people in the town of Bethlehem came and told Luke about all that had gone on God met the shepherds in a very significant way Now let's move on to the to the wise men Matthew chapter 2 He met them God met them differently Matthew chapter 2 verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem and in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. We often think they came the same night as the shepherds on the night of the Jesus was born, but that doesn't seem to be the case. That's the traditional story, but that's not really what it says here for a number of different reasons, and we'll get into that. But it says this seems to be after Jesus was born. Anyways, these men came from the east. These, these magi, these wise men, they came perhaps from Babylon or maybe further east, or we're not really sure, but was east of, of Israel. Anyways, they came and they came to Jerusalem. Verse 2. And the wise men asked, or the magi asked, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it, when it rose... And have come to worship him. You see, God spoke to these men not through angels or not through a vision or not through something else. He spoke to them through creation. He spoke to them through creation. They saw this star that came up, rose up somehow, and they understood what was happening, and they came to Israel to congratulate this king. They came to congratulate the birth of this of this king because he was born born of, of born in Israel. These magi were smart. They, they somehow had made the connection between the star and Israel, or maybe it, it it led them very specifically. And how they followed it, we have no idea as to how one could follow a star. Maybe it was like them following a a cloud or or like, like Israel did in the, in the Old Testament when God led them out of Egypt into, into the promised land. Maybe it was that kind of an experience. We don't really know. But they, see, they saw it as a star, and obviously they must have followed it at night because stars are only visible at night. But they knew that this was significant and that it signified the birth of a king, and they followed it, and they got to Jerusalem. Jerusalem and Bethlehem, by the way, are only eight or nine kilometers apart. They're not very far. Bethlehem being south south of, of Jerusalem a little ways. So they they obviously thought, well, what better place to see the king than in the capital city? And so they ended up in Jerusalem. Why wouldn't you start there? And so that's where they went. Yet they came to they came to this capital city and they said, Where is the king? Now, now notice what happens after this. This is quite interesting. Verse beginning of reading. Or Connecting on verse 3, starting on verse 3. When the king Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the peoples, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Notice he didn't say where the king was to be born. He said where the Messiah was to be born, which is an interesting switch of words here. Verse 5. In Bethlehem, in Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will judge my people Israel. So they knew that the the Messiah and the king would be the one and the same. There was a connection there. These magi were innocent. They didn't know know what was going on. They knew nothing of Herod's arrogance. They knew nothing of his fear of losing power or his control. They knew nothing. They were dumbfounded. The fact that this son was not Herod's son. They were shocked. And so was Herod because obviously Herod didn't know anything. He didn't have a kid that he knew about. And so he was kind of caught flat-footed. He didn't know what was going on so he consulted his teachers, found out the the priests, those around them and found out about this prophetic word because obviously this was a significant event in history that God would would have revealed and he asked about where the Messiah was to be born and he began putting two and two together and so these priests, these uh, uh, prophets told him Bethlehem, that's where the location is verse 7 Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. That's significant. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. Yeah, right. I find it most interesting that Herod didn't send anyone with them. He didn't even go himself. And I thought about that. I thought, why? Maybe he didn't know what to do. Maybe he felt like they, these guys were on a wild goose chase and it was just some kind of, it wasn't worth his time. Maybe he felt that if he went, it would cause too much of a stir. Maybe he didn't want to be seen with the Gentiles who would defile him. And so he played innocent. We don't know. It doesn't matter what the response was, but he didn't go, which was a good thing. Because in him not going or showing enough interest or whatever reason he chose not to go or engage in it, that saved, probably saved Jesus' life. But he did tell them, hey, if you happen to find this, this, this child, this king, come back and let me know, and I'll deal with it. Or, I mean, I'll go and worship him. That's <laughs> kind of it's his thought, right? Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Again, this kind of almost seems significant because they didn't know where to start looking for this, this baby. They didn't know that if there was a manger, they didn't know anything. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Notice this, he says, on coming to the house... They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their tre- tre- treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Remember this, as I said, Bethlehem is some eight or nine kilometers south of, southwest of Jerusalem a little ways. And so they followed this star, and it ended, they showed, the star showed them exactly where to go. Amazingly, we would have no idea how that worked. Maybe there was a light of beam, beam of light that shone down on the house. We don't know. But somehow they found the exact house. And they stopped there and they worshipped. Notice this says they came to a house, not a stable. So we know, therefore, it's, it's obviously not the same night. Some other night, maybe a week later, maybe two weeks later, we don't really know. But it was sometime after that. And they knew, though, that this, was, this, was, this, this child, as he's called here, not a baby, but a child, was somebody significant, was someone special. So much so that they worshipped him. And the Magi gave expensive gifts, worthy of the acknowledgement of a, of, a, of a future king. Now, many have said, well, what does that look like? Why the gifts... Some have suggested that it helps identify the identity of who Christ really was and what His role would be to come in the future and some of the things that were to happen to Him because gold is is a gift for royalty. Um, Incense is a a gift for a deity. And myrrh is a spice for a person who's going to die. That's one of the, the spices they used in the embalming process. And so these we don't know for sure why they gave these gifts, but somehow they that's what the gifts they gave. And, and the re- end result of those gifts was this, is we don't know what they did with those gifts. Maybe it was to provide the, the necessary financial assistance for Joseph and Mary and Jesus to go down to Egypt, because that was the next step in their journey. Um, we don't really know. And again, notice that we, there's three gifts here. Most assume that you know, there were three magi, but we don't know that there were three magi. Just as magi from the east, and we, everybody assumes there's three wise men, we three kings, you know, because of the three gifts. But we're not, we don't know that for sure. But we know that God met these, these men, these wise men from the east, these magi, in a significant way. But God had one, less, one more instruction for these men. Verse 12, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. God knew how to speak to these men. And God warned them not to go back. Maybe He didn't tell them that, why? We don't don't know that. Just that they didn't. Or they weren't supposed to go back to Herod. We see later in this chapter Again, another significant thing is, is when Herod found out that the, the Magi didn't come to him, then he went, ended up going down to Bethlehem and slaughtering every, every boy who was two years and younger. And that means that kind of gives us an indication that somehow Jesus was perhaps a little bit older. He wasn't a baby anymore it, because of that was probably had to be linked to the, the time the star appeared and so on. As we look at the shepherds and the magi, we see some interesting things here. Notice the shepherds were not given a star, nor were the magi sent angels. The shepherds probably wouldn't have known what to do with a star. They wouldn't have known how to read it. The magi might have fell down and worshipped the angels, because they probably came from a very polytheistic world mindset. And so they would have thought of these angels as, not angels, but as, as somehow a form of God. And so, you know, the, and the magi weren't sent to a barn. That would have been just wrong to have a king in a barn. Nor were the shepherds sent to a house because they were far more comfortable in a barn than they were in a house. And so God understands each of us where we're at. God meets us in a way that connects us. He knows how to speak our language. He knows how to get into our lives. He knows how to connect us to the reality of how He wants to reveal Himself to us. So when He gives you a song or a word or an experience or a touch or a dream, that is supposed to speak into your life as only He knows you will understand it to be. If God uses creation to speak to you, he will use often confirm it with a word from, from scripture, just as he did to the uh, to the Magi. They used the star, but then it was confirmed that through the scripture that that star, that person, was the Messiah. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities His eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God speaks to us in so many different ways and He confirms it over and over and over again. So when He speaks to us when He touches us when He reveals things to us even as He did to the shepherd and the magi God confirms it over and over again and often He will do it Through multiple people, not just through single individuals. My challenge to you this morning is be open to the voice of God and how God speaks to you. Not just through the scriptures, but through creation, through visions, through dreams, through different kinds of ways. And then ask God to confirm it. Be open and listening to responding to His his Word. And when, when things in your life gets revealed, when light shines in the depths of your soul and you are terrified, guess what the response should be? God's response is, do not be terrified. Because when God shines light into your soul and exposes even the dark things of our lives, He encourages us not to draw back. Because He wants to bring us a message of hope and peace and grace in the midst of darkness. Don't miss the signs. Don't dismiss the still small voice, the dream, the encouragement from another person. Just ask God for confirmation. Ask God to encourage you, to lead you to know that that is His voice for you. God always speaks to us where we're at. He will use things that are connected to you different than the ways things that are connected to me. If you look if throughout Scripture, the way Jesus spoke to people was different to each person. To the woman at the well, he talked about water. To the rich young ruler, he talked about money. To the, to the woman who was bleeding for, for years and years and years and cut off from everybody else around her, he called her daughter an endearing term used only for her. You see, God speaks to us in the way that we need to hear, in the way that draws us to Himself. We cannot ask or demand that God speak to us in an audible voice. But when God speaks, we have to hear His voice and respond in whichever way He leads us to. Jesus came into this world to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Right? God with us. God here and now. God in us. God wants to dwell in us. Not just in, God doesn't dwell in this building. God dwells in you. Emmanuel, God with us with us and god came he came and died so that we might have community with him we might have relationship with him that he might deal with our sin our shame our embarrassment our guilt that he might deal with all of that so the question is as god has been speaking to you are you obeying him are you responding to him have you surrendered your life to him Maybe you did once a long time ago. Maybe it's time again. Maybe it's time again. Maybe you did even last week, and you're going, oh, yeah, God, but I got distracted. It's time to surrender again. So I encourage you, just bow with me in a moment, and I've got another question I'm going to follow up after this, but I just want to bow your heads and just be still and just saying, respond to God right now, Okay? Lord Jesus, you've been speaking to us. Even as you spoke to the shepherds, even as you spoke to the magi, even as you spoke through the scriptures to even Herod, who didn't want to hear your voice. Mary and Joseph, God, you've been speaking, and you are speaking now because you are Emmanuel, God, with us. And God, we we want to respond to you. We want to reply to you. We want to surrender to you. And so, God, we give our lives to you. Yeah, we've made mistakes, but, God, you are forgiving. You're shining light into our lives, and we're terrified. And yet, God, you tell us to be at peace. You give us hope, and you give us courage. And so, God, we asked today that you would come, you would take our sins, you would forgive us, And we just receive you into our life today, afresh and anew. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the tenth time. But God, we ask you again to come in and change us and to give us hope for the future. In Jesus' name. One more question. As you take a moment and reflect back over the last week, over the last month, over the last year, where has God been speaking you? To you, Where has God met you? Can you identify those moments? Have you recorded them down? Have you reflected on them? Was it a song? Was it a message? Was it, was it a, a, a person's life? A scripture? A circumstance? What was it that God used to speak to you? What are those moments that you thought, oh yeah, God met me? And what was your response? Did you kind of brush it off? Going, oh yeah. I I vaguely remember that now. Did you respond to God or did you just push it away? I want you to think about that because God calls us to respond to him when he speaks to us. Maybe God's calling you again to respond to that still small voice, that circumstance, that word that you know in which He spoke to you a long time ago. It may it may have been about a direction. It may not have been to surrender to Him. It may have been about something else, encouragement or whatever else, but God spoke to you in a specific way. Let me encourage you to re-respond or to give thanks or to reflect and saying, God... Are you still asking? you still want to speak to me about that? Is that something you still want me to do? Maybe change your response if you think God wanted you to respond differently. It's time to listen and respond to the still, small voice of God in however God speaks to us. God, we thank you that you are there for us day in and day out. You hear us. You work on our lives through so many different ways through creation through songs through smells through people through relationships through the scriptures through that just that gut feeling inside of us that we know we should do something God continue to speak to us and help us to know what our response is to you because God we want to follow you we want to give our lives to you As we think about those moments in history when you have spoken to us or touched our lives in a specific way, God, we want to follow up that, follow up with you on that, and we want to respond the way you want us to respond or to rejoice even further in your revelation to us. We thank you now for that in Jesus' name. Amen.